0: I'm reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 39. Now, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by, by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you and through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and for knowledge, and you with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep a hold of him. And David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he was on my right hand, and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life and you fill me with joy of your presence. Brothers, I tell you confidently that the patriot David died and was buried and his tomb is here today. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath on on that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was ahead he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he would not abandon to the grave, nor his body see decay. God had raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, and has poured out on what you see and hear. For David did not ascend To heaven, and yet he said the Lord said to my Lord sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet therefore let all Israel be assured of this God had made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ and when the people heard this they were cut to heart and said to Peter and the other apostles brothers what shall we do and Peter replied repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord, our, the Lord will call.
1: Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, because we believe that the Bible is God's word uh, spoken from him for us, we... Need His help to understand it, so I'm going to ask God now. Pray that He would help us as we reflect a little bit more on these words in the book of Acts. Gracious Father, thank you for Your Word, the Bible. Thank you that it is a testimony uh, to the work and person of Jesus, Your Son and our Savior. We thank you for these words. Recorded from the Apostle Peter as he spoke of the hope that we have in Jesus. Particularly in the light of his resurrection from the dead. Please help us now as we reflect on what he said those many, many years ago. And may your spirit be moving us to be able to take on board what you're saying. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Apparently Leon Trotsky uh, said this. Uh, You may not be interested in war, but war is interested in you, charming fellow. Um, Which is actually a a telling comment uh, in the light of an article that I read from January this year. Uh, A bunch of expats in uh, Ukraine, they were saying that despite Western rhetoric, life goes on as normal uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, For years, the threat of Russia had just just become something that everyone had got used to, Uh, but I'm sure... (laughs) Many in Ukraine wouldn't have believed if you'd said that in, to them in January that just in a few short months there'll be around 3,000 Ukrainian troops dead, around uh, 2,000 Ukrainian civilians dead in the streets of the capital and other cities in ruins. And I suspect we're probably a little bit like those expats back in January. We might hear of war or rumours of war but it's all sufficiently far enough away from us to not really feel too much anxiety about it. Plus, it's not likely to happen here anyway. We've got geography on our side, right? And we're on the side of the right allies, right? And so life goes on, as usual. But it got me thinking that we treat war in in much the same way as most of us treat death. Uh, something that's over there, something that's that's happens to other people. But as much as we may not be interested in death, death is interested in us. Because we're all going to die. And contrary to the idea, particularly popular in Australia, of the good death, you know, having lived a a full long life and then to pass away in your sleep, surrounded by your family, into a better place, free from pain and suffering, uh, the Bible offers no such thing. Death is not a relief, death is not a natural part of life, death is an enemy, an enemy that our entire mind and body should rightly recoil from in horror. And as you would a war happening happening in your backyard, you should be shocked by it. Death is the greatest, inevitable yet horrifying act of war that's going to blow up in each and every one of our faces one day. So to just get on with life as usual without preparing for it, well, that'd be pretty naive, at best. Fortunately, there is no better way to prepare for it than to think on the resurrection of Jesus. Not just this Easter Sunday, but every day. Now, from the outset, it needs to be said that the Bible is unembarrassed and unapologetic in its claim of Jesus' physical resurrection from the dead. It goes out of its way to ground Jesus' resurrection in history as witnessed by hundreds of people as an historical, physical event. That after Jesus was crucified, died and buried, three days later he physically rose from the dead. Fact. But so what? How does that help us with our life? and our inevitable death. Well, according to the Bible, uh, Jesus' resurrection shows us at least two things, and this is what the Apostle Peter uh, unpacked in his first sermon, the first Christian sermon. First, Jesus, he's the Messiah who beats death for us. And second, he's, as the Lord, he can give life. So, he's the Messiah who beats death for us, And as the Lord, he can give life. So that's where we're going today. First, he's the death-beating Messiah. Because as the Messiah, death just couldn't keep him. It couldn't keep Jesus. Death couldn't keep him. Why? Well, the Apostle Peter tells us why. He was with Jesus the whole way. He saw him back from the dead. And he ends up preaching to a big crowd in Jerusalem during the Pentecost festival after Jesus had returned to God in heaven. Uh, We read it just earlier, uh, as recorded in the book of Acts. And the reason Peter says death couldn't keep Jesus is at least because of genetics. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. A bunch of you were there, you saw it. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because, and note what he says, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. There it is. It's impossible for death to keep Jesus. Why? Well, Peter continues. He says, uh, because David uh, said this about him, that is, uh, King David, You know, David and Goliath, David, who lived a thousand years before Jesus, he wrote a bunch of songs in the Bible, and Peter quotes David in one of these songs, saying, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand I will not be shaken therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead you will not let your holy one see decay which is a weird thing for David to say uh, because he ends up dying as Peter goes on to point out fellow Israelites I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and it was buried and his tomb is here to this day he probably could have pointed to it and everyone would go yep yeah, you're right he's dead but he was a prophet, David was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. And that's true. God made a massive promise to King David earlier in the Bible. God promises David there's always going to be a king in, the, in the, his line on the throne. There's, God basically says he's going to give him an everlasting dynasty. And so it's not a stretch, then, that David would write a song about one of his descendants, a son of David, importantly, a holy one, a holy son of David, not being abandoned to the grave or see decay. And that son is Jesus. He's a descendant of David, the holy one. That's why he wasn't abandoned to the grave and he didn't see the uh, decay. And Peter reckons King David saw this as he goes on. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead nor did his body see decay God has raised this Jesus to life and we're all witnesses of it the Messiah well that's the promised son of David who will reign forever and seeing Jesus back from the dead Peter and hundreds of others they understood this meant death couldn't keep him because he's this Messiah he's the Holy One which is good for all of us who are particularly unholy. Imagine finding your infant child who's decided to reach into their full nappy and paint their face and their body and the walls and the carpet with poo. Imagine that. What, what would be your first reaction? I can tell you what mine was. I yelled in disbelief and disgust. My first uh, words were, MEGS! Come quickly, and then, as far as I could, I kept the child as far away as me as I could possibly keep them, and I picked them up and rushed them into the shower, and I scrubbed them to within an inch of their life, and then Megs and I. Uh, well, she reckons she washed the, cl- washed the clothes, but I reckon we chucked them out, uh, and then we cleaned the walls and then wiped the floor. We even hired a special cleaning machine full of holy chemicals to exercise the unholy poo deep within the carpet. And this is the, un- the idea of unholiness. It cries out to me- be cleaned, to be made holy, to be either cleaned or to be chucked out. Unholiness is when something is associated with death or decay or immorality, which is why when we do something wrong, we can feel like something's died in us or or something is rotting or that we're dirty on the inside. Ever had that feeling? Well, that dirty feeling, that's a sign of guilt and shame. That's a sign of unholiness and an, an unholiness that we all have, whether we feel it or not. Because we've all done and said and thought wrong things. We've all made ourselves dirty, doing and thinking whatever we want, with little thought, little if no thought of God and what he wants. And shockingly, the Bible even says the good things that we think we've done, they're like poo to God. We're all unholy. And like a rotting and dirty thing just begs to be cleaned up or chucked out, so whatever is unholy must be either cleaned up or chucked out. God's holiness. That is, it must suffer death and judgment, which is actually what our natural trajectory is. It's towards death, that's why we're all dying, and judgment, because we're unholy. But then, then comes the merciful genius of Jesus, the Holy One. The fact that death couldn't keep him, the fact that he rose from the dead, it's actually the sign that His death was for the unholiness of others. It's like all the filth that was in us was thrown on him, and that's why he died. Because it wasn't his fault, but because it wasn't his filth, death couldn't keep him. And his resurrection proved his death was in our place for our filth, for our unholiness. As such, Jesus' resurrection shows we're now clean and holy before God because... As Messiah, Jesus beats death for us. But more than that, as Lord, Jesus gives life. As Peter goes on to say, Exalted to the right hand of God, he received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Okay, a little bit of background here. Just before Peter gets up and makes this speech, something crazy has really happened. The house that they're all in, suddenly fills with a massive wind. Uh, as the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they all kind of stagger outside, praising God, but amazingly, people from all different countries that are there, they hear them praising God in their own languages. And Peter says, what they've just seen and heard of this is what's promised from Jesus as the risen and exalted one, exalted in that he's gone back to the Father in heaven, which Peter and a bunch of others witnessed also. They not only saw him uh, back from the dead they watched him ascend into the sky, physically. As such, they rightly understand him to be even uh, to be even David's lord. As Peter goes on to quote another of David's songs, for, for David didn't ascend uh, to heaven, and yet he said, David said this, the Lord said to my lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, that's a curious thing for King David to say, as it was understood that the Lord God would make all the enemies of the Messiah a footstool for his feet, and yet the Messiah was to be a son of David. But David calls him my Lord. So how can David's descendant be his Lord, unless he's greater than him and before him? And here, amazingly, wonderfully, I think we get a hint of something, uh, the mystery and the wonder of Jesus, that while he is fully man a blood descendant of David, he's also fully God. With God. He's God the Son, with God the Father, with God the Holy Spirit. Now you may have heard of the Trinity. Well, the Bible says there's only one God, and yet there are three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Mysteriously, as they are all together God, each person is holy and truly God. As such, the Father is Lord and God. And the Son is Lord and God, who took on flesh and came as the man Jesus, who died and then rose again, still in the flesh, to ascend back to the Father in the flesh. The Son is the man Jesus, the Messiah, as the man Jesus the Messiah, He's restored to the glory He had before He left the Father's side. He's therefore now Lord and Messiah, as Peter goes on to say. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Jesus is both the Son of David and God the Son. He is Messiah and Lord. And as such, he sends the Holy Spirit to any who will turn to him for God's forgiveness. As Peter finishes off, Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and, and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. As Lord... Jesus gives the Holy Spirit, not just to the people there, then and there, but to those who are far off, to us. As the Lord, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit, who, as God, the Holy Spirit, is life itself. Uh, The word spirit in the Bible, it's a cool word. Uh, In Hebrew, it's the word ruach. You want to have a crack at that? Ruach. Very good. Let's try. Ruach. Going to get a bit of guttural in the back there. It's very cool. It's a cool word. Ruach. Uh, ruach is actually the word for uh, spirit, breath, wind. And so the holy Ruach, then, is God the holy breath. Right? There's this wonderful bit back in the beginning of the Bible when God makes the man Adam out of the dust of the ground. And then he animates him. He brings him to life. Do you know how he does it? It's really awesome. He does it by breathing the breath of life into him. He gives him his Ruach, his spirit. The spirit is Adam's life. And so for Jesus to pour out the Holy Spirit is for him to breathe out life. The very life of God. So that we might breathe eternal air. In uh, 2018, uh, New Zealand couple Sarah and Isaac, they were having a a barbecue with some friends when Isaac started to choke on a bit of steak. Uh, He couldn't breathe. He started to change colour and lose consciousness. Uh, The medical services, they were a long way off and he didn't have a heartbeat. Uh, So Sarah decided to do a tracheotomy there and then. She read about it once uh, in a book called The Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook by Joshua Piven and uh, David Bugenech. Uh, you can grab a copy of that. Uh, it's got some helpful hints on how to escape quicksand, wrestle an alligator, break down a door, land a plane and do a backyard tracheotomy, uh, apparently. So, she found a Stanley knife and cut Isaac's neck so he could breathe until the paramedics came and took him to hospital. She actually ended up saving his life. Look at him. Happy. Well, in the same way, As we choke on our unholiness and spiral ever closer to an inevitable and terrifying death, Jesus is the tracheotomy we need. As the Lord, he gives the breath of life, the Holy Spirit, to those who turn to him for God's forgiveness. As Lord, Jesus gives life, eternal life, And that's a life that starts now. So as those who should be horrified by our own death rather than avoid thinking about it, let's face the facts. Face the fact that while death will keep us, it could not keep Jesus because he's the Messiah and Lord, the Holy One who beat death for us and the Lord who's the giver of life. And as we do that and think about him as such repent as Peter says that is turn from a life ruled by death and the fear of death a life where you stuff as many things into it as possible so that you don't have time to think about all the time you've lost not doing what you really want. A life where you pursue this or that health kick and or fitness plan to extend your life and fight back death. A life where you get smashed on booze or drugs to forget the pain of life or to remember what it feels like to forget. A life where you work so hard to secure and maintain a lifestyle you can never really actually live because you're working so hard. A life where your greatest hope in life is to have that boyfriend or that girlfriend or that husband or wife, no matter what the cost to the rest of your life is, a life where you ab- abuse sleep, sucking out what you think is the marrow of life in gaming or on social media, turn from life with those kind of choices, life choices that, if you, even if you don't recognise it, are essentially driven by death and the fear of death. Turn from those. Turn from those to Jesus, the Messiah and Lord if you have never done this before turn to Jesus for life it's just to trust in his death that his death was actually to bring you God's forgiveness that you need it and that he has delivered it talk to him, you can do it in your head or you can do it out loud in your room or somewhere else tell him you're sorry for your unholy life, the unholy life that you've lived, and thank him for the Holy One, Jesus, that he has dealt with it all in his death and resurrection. And as you do this, you'll not only be forgiven by God, you'll receive the breath of life, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the author of life, who will be with you now in this life and forever after into the next eternally free from death and decay and the fear of death. And for those of us who already know God's forgiveness, let Jesus, our resurrected Lord, fill us afresh today with the Holy Spirit and remind us who is with us. God himself, our very life, who wants us to know not just eternal life then, but the fullness of life now by Walking in step, by keeping in step with the Spirit and seeking what is good and righteous and holy. See, like war, you may not be interested in death, but death is interested in you. So let's face it head on. You're going to die. And as you let the, that knock the breath out of you, hold on to Jesus, your Messiah, who beat death for you, and your Lord, who gives life to you by the Holy Spirit who always lives in you and with you so that you may live life to the full. And I'm going to pray to that end now. Let's talk to God. Almighty God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, Lord God and Father, we thank and praise you that on this Easter Sunday we can remember the resurrection of your Son for our forgiveness and to make us holy like him. Thanks that because Jesus is our Messiah, death could not keep us, cannot keep us. And because Jesus is Lord, we get to enjoy life to the full with your Holy Spirit both now and forever. Please help us to keep in step with the Spirit so that we might enjoy this life more and more while we wait for Jesus to return and bring us into eternal life.
0: And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.